Today on After the Buzzer, we are going to break down what happened in week nine of the CFL. We took a week off and uh, that coincided with a quiet week in the CFL. There was only three games in week eight and uh, we just couldn't find the time to get back and do this. But uh, I'm going to chat with Danny about a very interesting week of action. The Stampeders beating the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, um, kind of an upheaval in Rider Nation. Uh, we enjoy that, um, mostly because we love how the Rough Rider fans are so engaged with their team. The Stamps might have a another issue at quarterback. We'll believe Levi Mitchell leaves that game uh, in the midst of the win, gets hurt again, and it's the same shoulder, and we're kind of wondering how bad this is going to be, and it's kind of the same old story for the last past few years. Bo is great when he's on the field, but he can't, um, you know, stay on the field all the time uh, in the sense that uh, uh, he's not 100% out there, and you can really see that it uh, affects him. So uh, we're going to go into the other games too and uh, talk about a few different things, uh, a fun conversation for us, and uh, we're excited to be back and we're ready for this stretch drive heading into the playoff race and uh what a playoff race it's going to be um we got uh, a lot of stuff up in the air and uh we're gonna dissect it uh hope you enjoy All right, Danny, we've been away for a while because it was bye week and uh, we seem to be pretty busy on bye week. Um, the Stamps come back and uh, they look like the Stamps of old and the CFL kind of looks like the CFL of old. Kind of wild, crazy stuff happening at the end of these games. Uh, it was a pretty good week. Uh, you know, Winnipeg is still trucking teams and uh, everyone else is kind of playing in the sandbox and and goofing around and doing some weird stuff. So uh, uh, one question I want to go for you is, do the Stamps have enough in them to make a run right now? And this big win over the Rough Riders on Saturday night kind of shows that they still have some juice left in them. They were their top two receivers and still managed to come out of the gates firing and put some points on the board and then held on in the end. It's I'll you know, start by asking it's a classic you... game, kind of lots of wackiness at the end of that game. And I, I love it. Basically. I love, I love nonsense in the CFL. It's makes it's my favorite thing. Yeah. yeah. So I guess when you ask about, are they the stamps of old? Are you, are you asking stamps of old of the last three years where all we do is talk about how Bo Levi Mitchell's shoulder is doing? Um, <laughs> yeah i guess so yeah. yeah um so i mean my impression of that stamps game is look they came out they clearly had a bye week scheme you know they they done they they looked great in the first quarter put up 14 points took the 14 point lead um i loved you know it's just exciting anytime you know every year there's one american receiver who kind of steps in mid-season and you've been waiting to see i thought both malik henry and sean bain who was actually only brought back two weeks ago just added sort of a dynamic element to the Stamps uh, team that they've been missing. What was interesting is I think with Kamar Jordan and Josh Huff, you know, their two leading receivers out, I, I actually kind of liked particularly early because I don't think the Stamps were great. Well, the offense I don't think was particularly great uh, late in the game, particularly the second half. But um, it was almost like with those two guys out there, we got the version of Bo for a little bit where he couldn't just rely on going to them. He had to spread the ball around. He got... I mean, how many 
I'm counting right now. One, two, three, four, seven receivers had catches. All of them had at least two catches. Uh, oh, no, Richardson Danny only had one. But so they spread the ball around and they actually looked like, you know, an offense that, that was having to be creative, having to be on its toes. Then it really, really dried up. Like it mm. really, I mean, the stamps are lucky that Cody Fajardo is just not the quarterback the Saskatchewan media wants us to think that, that he is. Um, because he can't hit receivers downfield. And uh, when he tries on a third and 10 late in the game, inexplicably to throw into double coverage um, in the corner. Uh, good, good good, call there. Uh, yeah. he, he has that that belief that he can do anything out there. And it's what you want your quarterback to believe, but you also want him to be able to do anything he wants out there, not just believe it. So he, he's yeah. got one thing. He's got, he needs to get the second thing. And I mean, I think there are times that he does. It, it was interesting. Like they did not run. They did not try very much. They, I mean, Cody was was missing receivers downfield, which I think is part of why they went away from that. But it's been interesting reading like the coverage of the Riders versus the coverage of the Stamps. And the coverage of the Stamps is me pretty much exclusively. But the coverage of the Riders is all like, well, what's wrong with the offense? What's wrong with the offense? I thought the Stampeders defense was dominant yesterday. I thought that while they didn't necessarily get sacks, the, the, the D-line was chasing uh, Cody Fajardo all over the field. That linebacking duo, duo of Jameer Thurman and Darnell Sankey yeah. is so good. And if they were winning games more uh, more regularly, it's all we'd be talking about is how good those two had been. And then the DBs have bounced back from that Labor Day Classic, and they just don't really get beat. There was one one play where Raheem Wilson in the fourth quarter got beat, but you're always going to have one or two where you get beat. It's how you bounce back from them. Yeah. Um, so I just – I honestly, like, I thought the Stampeders defense took stuff away um, – and and force they, they had Fajardo on the run constantly. It was constantly. yeah, and, and he was every time he was trying to like he was trying to okay where where am I throwing it? I, I have no time, and there's guys flying and missing him, and it's like I counted one play where five guys flew by him and just barely missed him, and he just all he did was run out of bounds. He's like, I, there's nothing I can do. I'm just like guys are flying at me. So exactly, and I mean. Yeah, like Sean Lemon's not the fastest guy on the field, but he's he's doing a better and better job of just sort of getting himself in those disruptive positions. So I was incredibly impressed with the Stampeders' defense. Uh, I thought they were they were honestly exceptional. Uh, and like I also just think that the offense, the offense should have put the Riders away in the first half. If I'm being honest yeah. with you, like um, there was a play where Malik Henry was open and had a clear path to the end zone if he'd caught the ball, and and Bo was leaning back on his back foot and just missed him. Um, and at that point, if you're up 21, it might have been 20 nothing, 21 nothing, might have been 21-3, but the yeah. game's the game's done. What you're doing is just giving it to Kadeem Carey and being like, right, you know, run a run the ball for us. So um look, what I I don't know again, and Bolivar Mitchell's shoulder is hurt. This is like, and he sort of downplayed it, but also like, man, the body language, the like I've I don't know how what a relationship I have with Bo, but I've been covering him for a long time. I haven't really seen him like that after a win. He was like, he was fun. He was cordial, but you could tell he was down. And he admitted yeah. he's like, his shoulder did not respond to the surgery the way he expected. So you now have a quarterback. And this is going to be the big question that I think not only impacts the end of the season, but impacts seasons going forward. Um, what do you do with Bo? He's got a, a shoulder issue where he says he doesn't have pop on yeah. the ball. Um, well, you can you see what he tried to, yeah. Like he he goes to the sidelines. And he he's trying to throw, and he just it's like the wince, and it's like ah, uh, I'm trying my best. I'm trying my hardest, and you can see it in his eyes. It's just like it's not there. And Jake go Jake Mayer goes in the game, and 
they're just trying to run it down and catch this win and when it's like can't go back in the question is what you do if Bo says i'm good to go i mean look the medical people are ultimately going to be the ones who who dictate a, a big part of this decision but if Bo says he's ready to go and wants to go i still think it's just it's hard to rest your franchise quarterback if he says he's all right but we know if you do rest him he had 18 months post-surgery to rest and recover so i don't know that we can necessarily say that's like that's yeah. going to be the solution. But if you do rest him and say, hey, Jake Mayer is a starter, here's what happens. First of all, you get a better look at Jake Mayer and decide if this guy might actually be your future. Secondly, like you've got to be looking now and saying, this is 2018, the shoulder injury was in impacted bone. 2019, impacted him. Then he got surgery. Then 2021, he comes back, same shoulder. This may just be an issue that's never going away. And that, at which point you need to get a look at Jake Mayer. So yeah, are we doing okay sound-wise here? Somebody that would just like, okay, we can, we can, we have a guy who can go in and throw the ball, and he looks pretty good. Like you know, uh, it's the type of thing that's like, if they didn't have anybody, you'd you'd be really concerned, but. They, they've got a guy. They, they've got a guy you, you can get a little bit excited about. So I I say if, if Bo is not 100% and if he can't have any zip on his passes, you can't put him in there because it's just going to hurt you. And we saw, you know, in 2019 when he wasn't – he'll gut through anything, and that's the – you you're happy about it, but you're also – you've got to limit him a little bit and make sure he doesn't hurt the team by being in there. And again, and I do think that it has to be factored in there that getting Mayer more reps and getting a better look at him, again, gives you an idea of what you're doing long term. Because if the shoulder injury is not going away, and it's been three years where it's it's had an impact. So getting a better look at Jake Mayer is actually important in that regard. It's yeah. not just does it give you a chance to win this season. It is, is this guy actually someone we may consider rolling with because we're not sure the bows are can be our quarterback in the future if the shoulder is not getting better. So it's a it's a really it's a bigger story than in previous years because the fat fact like when it was a fractured fibula, you're like, all right, I mean that's an injury that happens. Bones break, right? right? But a chronic shoulder issue for a quarterback, that's a completely different different conversation that we're having. And and um I think Bo Levi Mitchell is has been the best quarterback in this league for for the you know, better part of a decade, basically. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean that like the body is going to respond and allow him to continue being that quarterback into the into his thirties. Yeah. And I, I I believe that he should be the quarterback of the future. I am not saying otherwise. But I, I I if this is serious again, yeah, we're just well, it's, have a different conversation than should he be starting because he can win this one game. Yeah, it's it's really tough, and you look at. In baseball, if a pitcher blows out his elbow and and needs UCL surgery, you you give it to him and you think, okay, he can at least come back. There's proven track record of people coming back from that surgery. But a shoulder is so much different because even like I've had a shoulder surgery surgical repair of my shoulder, and the range of motion just doesn't come back the way you you need it to. And and the strength is just never going to be there. Like he'll function normally in in regular life but he you know throwing a football is much different than what you do in that motion is not a natural motion that you do in in your day-to-day -day living 
So it's, yeah, you hate to say you think his career might be over because of this, but it it's looking right now that it's just continues and continues and continues. You, ha you have to, you, it's not positive right now. And I think that's the, the big thing. And it's like, I, I do want to say, like, we may laugh at this conversation in two weeks because maybe, you know, maybe it was just a little thing. He needs a couple of days rest. I said, do that whole thing. All right. I'm saying is that the available evidence suggests that this isn't going to be a quick turnaround where suddenly Bo is back in a week. Like, I, all available evidence says that this is chronic, that this is not going away. He has gone to Dr. Neil Alatrash, the best, you know, specialist in, in North America to deal with this. Like, he's gone to the best people. And it's no fault of Bo's. You know, I'm not criticizing Bo. The guy's no. done nothing but do his best to take care of his body. It's just and, that's not the issue here. Yeah. And and 100% we're not saying he's not tough because he's definitely tough. He goes out yeah, there. And, like, yeah. And <laughs> it, it's just sometimes your body doesn't – your body fails you. It's not anything you can do about it. It's uh, it's tough. Uh we should uh, move on to the the other side. So Saskatchewan now is um, they get out to these slow starts, and then they, you know, they're always trying to claw back. Uh, what is what is it now? You're probably not watching on TV as much as I am. Uh, it seems right now TSN is absolutely in love with Kean Schaefer Baker. Uh, they they seem to think he's the greatest thing that's ever happened to this league. Uh, do they? <laughs> what do you what do you make? Do they have is this a, a star in the making or what's happening with the, with this, with this receiver for the Rough Riders? Yeah, I think he's very good. Um, okay, I think he showed that. Um, I'm trying to get it, pull his numbers up here. Um, Five receptions on eight targets for 107 yards. Uh, his yards after catch were um, 32. So he's catching some deep balls. He had he had a long, long one, right? <clears throat> He, he averaged 21 yards, yeah. So, uh, what was the long one in the fourth quarter? Wasn't it 71 yarder? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, let's acknowledge that he had a 71 yarder. And I mean, to be clear, I don't know that I always do this when I'm talking about stance receivers, but like, he had a 100 yard game, but 30 yards and then one big catch, right? right? I mean, that's that's but look, I absolutely think he's good. And I think that this Riders team, when they get Shaq Evans back, you know, they've got a couple deep threats, they're, they're going to be better than they looked on, on Saturday. Um, my thing is that when you look at this Riders team, I don't know that we, like they have lost twice to the Bombers and now once to the Stamps. So they are absolutely capable of beating up on middling teams. And the Stamps are certainly a middling team. But I mean, the idea that there's some dominant force that was going to just kind of roll to, you know, the West final, I don't think that we have a ton of evidence that suggests that that's true. Um, they lost to a Stamps team coming off a of bye week. This isn't that bad, but like, they're just not that dynamic in offense. Um, the, the the defense is really really good, but I, I don't think they played great. Although they did play great, they they got out schemed by a team coming off a of bye week in the first quarter. Like well, welcome to CFL football. Dave yeah. Dickinson and you know Pat Del Monaco had two weeks to come up with a plan to score in the first quarter, and they did just that. So. Um, <laughs> Oh, they, had it, they had it quite scripted out, didn't they? So Yeah, and it worked. So, no, I mean, look, if I'm the Riders, I, I, I do think there are pieces to like there. Um, this is not me bad-mouthing TSN, which I do all the time for many other things. Um, I do not – I even when I rewatch games, I, I have the sound off. Yeah. Um, 
just because like they impact the way that I perceive a game way, way, way too much. Um, they are always going to talk about the offensive players, the stars of yesterday's game with the defensive players. And then whoever I will, I mean, I guess also whoever scripts up the riders offensive or offside onside kicks because they had three chances. And I think they got the ball back on two of them. Um, well, and I, I feel like that's uh, a Craig Dickinson thing because he's was such a, for a long time, he was the best uh, special teams coordinator in this league. And he loves to have some creativity with these things. When he was with the stamps in the mid two thousands, he had some of the, the wildest, most fun stuff for, you know, fake field goals, fake punts, um, and then onside kicks and things. And when Tom Higgins was the head coach, uh, Tom, you know, he, he may be a villain, a very vanilla person personality wise, but as, as a football coach, he loved to do throw the whole toolbox at you. So I felt like I was like watching that. And I'm like, Oh, Craig, Craig's in his glory right now. Just doing some onside kicks. And the fact they tried to do three different formations and they still had a third one that they could throw out there and execute. That was that was just classic Craig Dickinson. So well, it made, me, made me laugh. I say, there's a guy, I believe his name's Ray Perkins on Twitter, who's like, a, you don't know how to CFL coach, but a football coach, I believe, out of Ottawa. Okay. And he tweeted, he was like, the most underrated like personnel battle in the entire CFL over the last decade has been Craig Dickinson versus Mark Killam. He's yeah. like, they're clearly <laughs> the two elite special teams coaches. And like, and he was like, because I'll be honest with you. Like I am someone who like, when I watch special teams often, it's like, I'm basically transitioning from covering the defense to the offense. So I'm like, was there a big return? Did they hit the field goal? Like it's, it's, I, I don't pretend that I know how to watch what they're scheming up, but yeah. like the Stampeders special teams coverage has been, I mean, they're the best in the league, but they're also, I've brought this up before. They lost Connor McGough and Charlie power would have been the two most important players on their coverage. They were without Corey Greenwood and Elliot Graham. This game, like they were down four hugely important players on their team or on that special teams, and they still didn't allow any big returns. Um, it's just it's hard to go too positive because Rene Paradis did miss a field goal, which it felt like at the very you know as the Riders were driving at the end of the game. Right. Six, it was like, oh man, they needed they needed Rene to hit that, but Rene's been good all year. Um, and then yeah. hard to like it was just man when. The third and final onside kick when he just did the little like boop run and get it. Yeah. I was literally was like, I don't know why. Like that's just cool to me. Like it just looked, I was like, I love, I love this. Give me all the onside kicks in the world. Well, and I, I remember in the mid 2000s Craig had Sandro D'Angelis, and Sandro could do it in practice all the time. And he just was like, gave him the green light. He's like, if you see them on their heels and like pushing back, just go and do it. And one time he did, he just like, like bobbled it 10 yards, ran and grabbed it himself. And it was like, Sandra wasn't the most athletic guy, but uh, the, it just, it was shades of old Craig Dickinson and made me, uh, made me smile. And like that, that guy just loves studying football and loves formations and all that kind of stuff. And, it, uh, and, and you're right, Craig, uh, Mark Killam as the special teams coordinator for the stamps for the last well, like 15 years, basically, I think he took over for Craig Dickinson um and it was you know they they've got uh they've got they've got some good fun going on out there and the fact that you know there's a lot of special teams playing the cfl and a lot of people will criticize the cfl for it is like there's a lot of punting 
you have to have you know good people in those units and and make sure you do it correctly or else it can lead to chaos obviously we saw it in uh in the hamilton game right out of the gate the player or the returner <laughs> bobbles the punt uh and you gotta be able to field the punts and and get some yardage out of it and you know go and cover and do all those little things that's it's a mark of a good team when you when you have good special teams units so all right uh let's move over to the the east division and that game yesterday with Hamilton and Montreal and I you were high on Montreal to start the year and I think maybe in the fourth quarter that's what you would look at and say yeah Montreal has shades of when when they, you need some points on the board they can put some points on the board uh did you get a chance to watch that at all I know you were preparing for the uh for the stamps game but Vernon Adams went out of that game yesterday. Um, he, he just kind of rolled up on his ankle and went and got it retaped and comes back in. And it felt like I, I wouldn't want to face Montreal in the playoffs uh, based on the fact that um, they've got some weapons and they've got, you know, a little bit of oomph with uh, Vernon Adams Jr. They're sort of a team where, like, if I thought that they were going to finish first in the East, I'd quietly be like, give them the bye week. And then they just host these final, and I, I think I'm picking them to go to the Grey Cup. I just don't know that they're necessarily going to finish first. Um, that win was big, though. Um, I think it basically means that win means there's no crossover because they face Ottawa three times. You know, like there are it's just just kind of the way the schedule plays out. It doesn't look like any Eastern team of that sort of Toronto, Montreal, Hamilton is going to sort of bottom out. So. Um, my thing with the Alouettes is when they look good, they look great. And then they make a bunch of dumb mistakes. Yeah. And I, I like Vernon Adams Jr. Just, just throws up balls that I, I don't think an elite quarterback necessarily should. And that would like, I, I feel like they beat themselves. Um, I, I still don't, I mean, that Hamilton team is still a work in progress. They're getting better. Um, and well, I, they, they finally had a bunch of guys back on offense, and it seemed like they were still a little bit dysfunctional. And Jeremiah Mazzoli just doesn't feel like the guy we thought he was a couple of years ago. Um, no, I mean, I, Dane Evans would be the starting quarterback there if he was healthy. Yeah. yeah. I have no question about that. Um, but that Hamilton team, I mean, the, it's still – I saw the defense in person against the Stamps. That, that defense – a defensive line is the only defensive line, in my opinion, that really fully compares to Winnipeg. Um, right. The weird thing is we just saw what the Bombers did to them in the Grey Cup, so it's so hard to feel confident about this Hamilton team. But, um, look, I, I mean, I, I got to watch the end of that game in part because they refused to start Stamps Riders, despite there being 25,000 fans in the stands. Uh, <laughs> it's, wow. it's classic TSN. They can't have two CFL games going at one time, right? So. Well, and what what apparently the league told, I think it was Rob Vanstone from, um, from the Regina Leader Post, is that it was a, they just don't have the video review people to have two games on at the same time. Uh, um, which, okay, but like, yeah, they said that. It also was like, well, the biggest TV audience is in Saskatchewan, and they, uh, they only have one channel devoted to the CFL. I like it's ultimately one of those things where, like, if you're not in the stadium, I actually think that like it's not a big deal and is actually probably better for. It's just it sucks when you have paying customers in the stadium who have to like. The game ended quickly, but they've been stuck there watching 15, 20 minutes of a game out east, just sitting in the stadium. 
uh, yeah. one of their provider stamps. Did they put it on the video board then? They did. Yeah. So okay. both teams, like it wasn't, it honestly wasn't that big a deal. I was annoyed with it in principle. And then in practice, I was like, I don't know what I'm getting mad about right now. Like this yeah. is fine. Um, well, there's uh, speaking of Vanstone, uh, there was a game about 15 years ago where Damon Allen, or it might have been longer, uh, maybe it was almost 20 years ago. It was in that period of the mid 2000s when not every game was on TV, and the Rider game, the Riders were supposed to play, I think, in Edmonton, and uh, there was a game out east that was long delayed because Damon Allen ran into the TV cart on the, of the Hamilton sideline. So basically Damon Allen, who's an icon in the league runs into the cart and he's down for many, many minutes. Like it was about a 15 minute delay. They, they wouldn't cut to the, the, the rider game. Vanstone wrote a, an entire column about how he couldn't see the rider game. Cause Damon Allen got hurt. <laughs> and it was just, wow. So funny. <laughs> I remember picking up the leader post. I was in Saskatchewan at the time. I pick up the leader post that I was like, oh, I want to see what Vanstone's take was on the on the riders. And he basically wrote about how he couldn't watch the first 15 minutes of the game because it was delayed so long. So this isn't a new thing. And it just well, <laughs> makes me laugh. Man, I'll be honest. Like, I tweeted my annoyance at TSN. I said, you know, this is why the broadcast partner has too much power. I may have been incorrect about that. I will say that, like, I don't know, maybe as you get older, it it fades. But, like, the number of things that I look back at and I'm, like, we're all consuming, like, outraged at the league or at broadcast partner or whatever over my years covering this. And then I look back and I'm, like, why was I so upset about that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why do you care so much? I'm like, what? what? Yeah. It's not that big a deal. It's, like, it's a five-minute delay. Like, what, what do we care? Yeah, like, like, why I did I waste any emotional energy on this? So, like, I'm not going to criticize anyone who, like, who does that. And let us be perfectly honest here. Like, the easiest thing that anyone who covers this league can do is take shots at, like, how the Toronto audience is given, you know, priority over everyone else. A, I don't actually think it's true. B, there's, like, freaking 10 million of them. Of course they're given, like, their priority. <laughs> Well, they decide our election, so they should probably get the balance of our TSN coverage. No, it's it's totally it's totally fine. And now that you you explain that, they, yeah, they they have one crew working the replay booth. They can't be paying attention to two games at once. Um, you want them to be able to like because they have the ability to call down if they see something, right? So you you need you need their full attention yeah so it makes sense that you don't want two games going at once in that and respect. i do think that in years past they might have had the crews to do that and this year like it is a covid world i know that the cfl is working on a bare bones budget um yeah. i don't like them ever using it as an excuse like sometimes i find that the cfl is like their mom and pop shop when they want to be and then want to be treated like a big time league at all other times and it's like no they might just have one video crew and that's all that they could do, and that's fine. So, like, it doesn't matter. But ultimately, look, that's a big win for Montreal. I think it eliminates the possibility of the crossover. So it's a significant win. Um, I am – like, I was going to wait till the end. Um, the end of this podcast or the end oh, of no, – this up. Okay. There are some, some big, 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 big receiving names who are now on the market. Right. Yeah. Um, Devere Posey being the, probably the biggest. Duke Williams being the biggest. 
Okay. Duke Williams has sort of like made it clear that he's willing to come back to the CFL. Um, I don't think he's got a place in Hamilton. I think Hamilton's receiving core is is pretty deep. And, you know, the fact that they released Devere Posey. Um, but, you know, you have Duke Williams who, who led the CFL in receiving yards in 2018. He is a big body. He can outjump any CFL DB. If he's coming back, I, I'm going to be very curious as to where he ends up because there are a lot of teams that could use – I mean, I think possibly every team. Um, I don't know that the Bombers have the money, but, like, if you're the Stampeders right now and you had a guy like Duke Williams who's available, you know, I, I, think, to get him, yeah. I think he might go spend that money. Um, so, like, Montreal is another team where I don't know what their financial situation – none of us do is the reality. No. But they're a guy who getting a guy like Duke Williams – you know, might that might actually push them over the top to be the top team in the East. Uh, they just they need to cut out the mistakes, and and that's the only thing holding the Owls back. When they're good, they're great, but they shoot themselves in the foot. Yeah, and the the thing is, they're they're taking that gun and they're like, okay, the other team, you you shoot yourself in the foot now. What you're not? Okay, well then we're gonna have to stop and change, and then because it seemed like they needed just to wake up in that game. Uh, at the end and it cut it basically it felt like Vernon Adams Jr. going out coming back in he, he gave them the the juice to to get going uh, so let's move on to the Winnipeg BC game the the one another thing about I, I only watched it uh, sporadically it was a busy night on Friday and once you know Winnipeg went up it just felt like okay their their defense has just taken over uh, speaking of TSN loving somebody uh, they love Mike Miller. Um, they love their special teams cover guy. He's getting a lot of pub this year. Uh, that's just an aside because I think when you look at Winnipeg, they don't have to do a whole lot offensively if your defense is just swarming and destroying and um, the way that uh, the way that they did against the Lions. I actually bet on the Lions. I thought, okay, you know, at home, coming off a, a kind of a devastating loss last week. They're going to bounce back and they're going to look good. And they just, they couldn't contain the Winnipeg front seven or it just, it just didn't, didn't happen. And it feels like Winnipeg's just like gearing up for the East final right now. They're going to host it and, you know, they're going to try and be the best team they can by that time. And, and BC is going to try and rebound now. Uh, what do you, what do you make of that uh, situation out uh, in the West coast last on Friday? Yeah, we can say it all year. Um, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers are the best team in the CFL. Uh, I think that if we were to go back to preseason, the thing that I certainly said was I think that they are the best team in the CFL, but they I thought that they were going to be the most vulnerable to injuries destroying their season. I didn't think that Zach Caleros necessarily – I didn't think it was a safe bet to assume that he would be able to play all 14 games. So far, he's held up. I thought that uh, – Andrew Harris was going to regress. I don't know that he's the same, you know, world-beating player, but um, he's he's certainly been been good, and it hasn't mattered because that defense is so damn good. And like I'm seeing more and more, it looks like Zach Caleros is the front runner for MLP. I largely think that's because we don't know how to properly evaluate defensive players. Um, yeah. And like it's one of those situations where what actually hurts both. Jackson Jeffcoat or Adam Big Hill or Willie Jefferson, uh, any of these dominant bombers defensive players, is the fact that there's so many of them. So right. we, don't, we like we don't know how to say, oh, 
that guy's that guy's the best. It should be a Bombers defensive player right now who is the front runner for MLP. It's just there's there's too many of them. So we're <laughs> like, well, we'll go Zach Galaris because we don't know who to give all the credit to without taking away credit from the others. So look, this Bombers team is the best team in 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 the division in the league. Uh, I do think that they've been blessed by some good injury luck. Uh, I think that's going to have an impact, but they can also sort of cruise right now. My major takeaway is, well, it's that all of us were right. Let's look at the BC Lions who, you know, were supposedly separating themselves from, you know, other teams in the West. Week one, lose to Saskatchewan. Week two, beat the Stamps 15-9 when Bo had a fractured fibula. Week three, lose to Edmonton. Nobody. I know we're going to, I know we're waiting to bury Edmonton right now. But look, we got a Barry Edmonton coming up here pretty soon because, you know, ring, you know, call, bring in the Undertaker. Like it, it's done. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, then, we'll just cross them off the playoff race, basically. Exactly. Then two wins against Ottawa. I don't care that Ottawa won this week. That's, that's fine. Then they beat Montreal. That, that's a nice win. That's a nice win. But I, I don't, I think Montreal's been inconsistent. Then they lose to Saskatchewan. Then they lose to Winnipeg. They got Calgary coming up. They got a bye week. This is not a team that has beaten anyone worth a damn. Right. Um, so the Lions, right now, if you told me this a week ago when I was on my bye week and doing my very, very best to not pay the slightest bit of attention to the CFL when I wasn't answering your texts about <laughs> recording podcasts because I was like, I got, I got another life, I would have told you that I, I thought that you know the Bombers were going to be hard to catch. They're now one win ahead of the Stampeders, and they got two head-to-head games with the Stamps coming up. So – you know, let's not treat the Lions like they're like they've proven anything. And no. I, I, I don't know that they're actually better than a three and five Stan Peters team right now. I just think that their schedules uh, been a little bit easier. So, um, I, I, I am completely. I, I love this Lions team because I think Lucky Whitehead, who I picked in fantasy and was useless this week, but otherwise. I, I think it's he's been your exciting. fantasy MOP, yeah. So yeah, he's been so exciting to watch. I love watching that kid play. I shouldn't call him a kid. I, that guy play. Uh, oh, Brian you... Burnham. They got the best one-two combo of receivers in the league. I, I, I know that neither of us are fully convinced by Michael Riley, but the guy hucks the ball up. And when you got receivers like that, they're a ton of fun to play. I just think that they're like every other team. They're not a finished product. And what we're seeing right now is that they can't compete with the elite teams in this league. Yeah. Uh, I, I love how you're you're finally getting to the point where you're older than most of the players in the league. And it was a devastating day for me when Paul McCallum uh, actually retired because I, I was older than every player in the CFL. And it was it was quite uh, sad for me. I, w- I was a year older than Henry Burris at the time. And I was like, oh, Henry, I wish you were a year older so I could still say that um, somebody my age. I mean, I'm 37. There can't be that many older. And now that the CFL has just decided that punters have to be I don't, I mean, Corey Greenwood's in my age group. I don't know. There's gotta be one or two. I hope I'm not the oldest, but um, believe I yeah. mentioned one of my outfit yesterday, which was not embarrassing at all because we're from different places and we dress differently, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> but yeah, I, uh, I was wearing a, a sick turtleneck with a nice, uh, nice jacket over it and a, a, a amazing toque. And uh, he did not like my outfit. Uh, yeah, no, I've 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 borrowed your toques and scarves before to mostly for warmth, not for fashion, but because I can't pull them off the way you do. But 
um, you're, <laughs> you're definitely, if, if, if you're getting made fun of for what you're wearing, yeah, it's, it's, uh, but anyway, yeah, yeah, uh, so you should look in to see if you're the older, older than everybody in the CFL currently I, playing. You know, I, I don't want to do that. I want to like, I want to live with the idea that I'm still, still in their age bracket, even though I'm clearly not. Um, with that said, can we bury the Elks? I think we can. I mean, they've, uh, they're going to come and they're, they're going into Winnipeg this week and it doesn't feel like a game they're going to win. Uh, they're, they're right now the, the line is listed at 14 points. So if they can keep it within two touchdowns, I don't know. Uh, it's yeah, it, they're, they're much talk about whether Trevor Harris is going to come back and he's remarkably recovered from his injury. I, I don't think it matters, honestly. Um, they went into Ottawa and, and just looked like garbage. And, you know, Ottawa has beaten Edmonton twice, and and now they believe that they might have a quarterback uh, of their future. So at least they've got some sort of hope going on in Ottawa, and they won a home game for the first time in a long time. So that that really helps. But the, the Red Blacks finish 2-12. and 12, That's a successful season at this point. Like <laughs> that's a low bar then because that win changes the entire like narrative of the season. Look, like at least they proved that they're up for the fight, right? Like right. They, they've looked like a team that was going to get blown up. That loss is inexcusable. I've had this conversation a couple times. I will start by saying, I believe that there is something fundamentally broken with the Edmonton Alex organization right now. I think it's top down. Um, I don't think the players want to be playing for that team right now. Um, but I, 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 I'm not going to go too much more into it, but I think that there needs to be uh, management changes likely. Um, there, it, 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 there's something broken because this team, people were like saying to me like, oh, you know, they got the same record as the Stamps. <clears throat> the Stamps we all knew were rebuilding and retooling. They traded their veteran players away and they were like, we're going to build. So it's it's been a disappointing season, but like it's also sort of consistent with, Hey, we got to get young guys in. We got to build something new. It's, yeah, it's it's that time. You can't be you can't be mad at what's happened in Calgary. The only people person anyone seems mad at is Bo, because Calgary fans have an incredibly short memory. Um, but like this has been fine. I saw. Do you know how many people I saw picking Edmonton to be in the Grey Cup? That was the expectation this year. They were supposed to be like competing with Winnipeg and Hamilton, <clears throat> like. This is a disaster. They didn't they didn't trade away their vets. They brought in vets. They were supposed yeah. to be contenders this year, and they just lost to the Ottawa Red Blacks and have the worst record in the West Division. That's disastrous. This is underperformance across the board. And I just I, I don't know, man. Like quietly, I'm hearing things, and I I I, I think it's a leadership issue, and I'm not saying it's the head coach. No. Yeah, it feels like there's a there has to be some sort of a regime, you know, uh, a culture change. And I think that the culture was a big word that was coming out of Edmonton early in the year. And it was like, okay, so are you, do you have a winning culture? It, you know, this isn't the Edmonton organization of the seventies and eighties where it was built on, you know, a, a strong foundation. It doesn't feel like that foundation is there right now. So, well, and look at like we, it was a big issue in training camp. We were like, why are they burying players as they go out the door? Like, this isn't Boston. Like, this right? isn't, that's not what you do. And then it's like, well, Sean Lemon comes in, you know, has been fairly good for the stamps. Like, I mean, Derek Dennis, that's a whole weird situation. But how did Calvin McCarty end up in Calgary? That's your like, that's yeah, your visit for Edmonton. Like, yeah. um, 
so I, I just think there's enough evidence there that you like, you know, people can connect the dots here, but um, there's a problem there. And that's an inexcusable loss. And I'm not saying that because I'm Calgary based. I am from Toronto. I do not care about the Calgary Edmonton rivalry even a little bit, but <laughs> I feel bad for the fans up there. I think it's bad for the league, not having a competitive Edmonton team. And um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a real problem and there's no excuse for losing that game. Yeah. All right, uh, we're we're looking ahead to this week. There's, do you do you know that it's a five game week? So this used to be more commonplace, but uh, yeah, we've got five games this week. Ottawa's playing twice. They're playing in Toronto, and oh, and Toronto's playing twice too. And BC doesn't play. So uh, cool, cool, cool. That's ridiculous. <laughs> Ottawa <laughs> plays Toronto on Wednesday. Get ready for some Wednesday night football. We've had Tuesday night football, Wednesday night football again. Uh, it's hard for any of us to get geared up for Wednesday night football. Uh, and then Ottawa plays uh, in Montreal and Toronto plays Hamilton on Labor Day. Or sorry, not Labor Day. That feels like Labor Day though, right? It feels like the natural Labor Day. It's a Thanksgiving Day extravaganza with two two games on Monday for Thanksgiving. That'll be... I, I may be mistaken here, but they've been trying to build the Ottawa-Montreal thing up as a Thanksgiving as a Thanksgiving Monday game. I Have they? Okay. I, 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 it I like used to be, no, that that rings yeah. a bell for me, but I don't actually know. But it's a good idea, to be honest. Yeah. So hey, if it's sure. if it's not something they're trying to build, maybe CFL should just send me a check because that's like that's a great idea by me. <laughs> well, I've I've spent many of my Thanksgivings in Montreal when the stamps would play there. And it was always like a 1 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. in uh Calgary time start. And that was it was a hard it was a hard game for Stamps game or Stamps fans to get excited about those Thanksgiving Day games, but yeah, um, I'm full of crap. I've also spent Thanksgivings in Montreal over the last couple of years, so there's no way this is something they're trying to build. Out. I just made that up, but it's oh, a good okay. idea. If they're not going to give those, if they're not going to give those teams Labor Day games, why not make it a Thanksgiving tradition? Yeah, yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, again, yeah, we'll 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 catch some royalty checks off of that. That sounds great. We're, we're marketing geniuses over here. I'm willing to be the, their video review booth, too, if you want to start doing that. I mean, I barely know the rules. but um... <laughs> And most of those decisions are seems seemingly a coin flip anyway. So you, you can just flip the coin when you're looking at it. Like, I don't know. Ah, pass interference. Sure. Like, heads or tails? Heads pass interference. Tails, no no pass exactly. interference. Um, yeah. Looking at this week, though, luck. Ottawa, Toronto. Toronto should win that on a Wednesday. Whatever. Who cares? Edmonton, Winnipeg. Winnipeg should win that by 55 points. Saskatchewan, <laughs> Calgary is just, I'm glad. I mean, had Calgary lost this game this weekend, next yeah. weekend the loses a little bit of intrigue, but this is a big one. Uh, I actually think it's a game that the Stamps can afford to lose. Like, I think that basically the Stamps need to go 500. I think 500 gets you into the playoffs this year. Um, I think three games against the Riders, it's, it's, you cannot expect them to win all three. Um so well, I, it would it would greatly help if they could though. So yeah, but you you got to go five and two in these last seven. I think you can afford to lose one. You got a Winnipeg game at home, which would be a real statement to win. You need to win those two against the Lions that they have coming up, and then the other one's Ottawa. So it's like right. you pick. You, let's assume that the Bombers is a tough game, although they held close with the Bombers. You can lose that one and then one against the Riders. I think, um, but who cares? That's just my opinion. Ottawa, Montreal. Montreal should win that one. Toronto Hamilton on Monday. That's an increasingly important game. So um, I don't know. It's a fun. It's actually a fun slate. And as you said, 
the quality of football, the excitement of the football was better this week than last week. Yeah. So, uh, or than it's been previous weeks. So I don't know. I'm looking forward to this. I, it's, it's ludicrous that they have two teams playing twice in five or six days and one team not playing at all, but. And the, the, and the one team that had a game canceled and needed to make up a game. Right. So they obviously couldn't put it this week because Toronto had two games scheduled. So. Yeah. I mean, look, <laughs> this league, man, I don't know. This is what you get. You don't come <laughs> to this league for, for its logic. No. So, yeah. But, yeah, so five games this week and three games the next week. Not a lot of consistency there either, but uh, we enjoy it. It's going to be, yeah, if, if, if the finishes were anything like uh, the Saturday we had in 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 week nine, uh, I'll, I'll be happy with it. I'm, I'm excited for it. So yeah. I just probably won't be betting on the BC Lions against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers again, so. I mean, it's funny. This is never what you'd hear from NFL podcasters talking, but like, I genuinely do root for games to just be fun. Like, yeah, I know. That's kind of what I want from the CFL, and like, the games are fun this week, and that's that's good. That's, that's yeah. a good thing. Yeah. For the league. That's, that's what's going to bring fans in. And the thing is that people look at me and they're like, "Well, which team do you root for?" I'm like, well, I don't because I was in media for a long time. They're like, "Well, you're from Saskatchewan. You must love the Riders." I'm like, "Ah, no." Um, uh, I, I I just want exciting stuff happening. I want good football. Uh, I, I've lived in Calgary for 22 years. I don't necessarily care if they win or lose. I just want the games to be interesting. And uh, I, like, I tell people straight up, I'm like, I'm happy the Stamps won yesterday because it means more people are paying attention to my work. I'm selfish about this. Yes. Like, yeah. if the Stamps are two and six, what are we doing here? So... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, well, we didn't do anything last week, so we're back uh, in action this week. But uh, I'll definitely be. Oh wow, we're maybe we'll do it right after uh, the game ends on Monday next week and um, see how things go. If you're if you're hunkering down for a Thanksgiving meal uh, after watching six hours of CFL football on a Monday, um, that sounds like a pretty good Monday for you, right? Um, yeah, it's not such a bad Monday. I mean, as you know, we in Alberta are at that point where it's like any nice day, you just get outside. Exactly. So, and so that's what I'm doing literally two minutes after we get off this call. But so, well, you know what? I don't think that that our legions of listeners need, need us to schedule when we're going to record next. <laughs> well, I, 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 get, I didn't get any angry emails asking why we didn't have a podcast last week, but I appreciate if anybody would have done that. That would have been nice. Uh, yeah. I, so, so, we'll, so we'll end on this last question here. I know you want to get out on your bike. Uh, is the starting quarterback of the uh, Calgary Stampeders next this week going into Regina, is it Jake Mayer or Bo Levi Mitchell? I think it's Jake Mayer. Yeah. Um, I, I have nothing to back that up. Um, I, If there's anything slightly nagging Bo... Um, I think that this is both a problem and an opportunity. You get a better look at Jake and you protect your investment in Bo. And if there's a decision to make at the end of the year, then you make that decision. But I, I actually don't think that there is. I still think it's Bo going forward. But, you know, it, people want to see more of Jake for good reason. Um, and you might as well get a look and figure out what he's all about. And I'm not saying if both healthy start Bo, he's your starting quarterback. But again, right. I don't know. I'm just repeating myself. But get a look at your quarterback, protect your investment. I, I think it makes sense. Yeah. And do you feel any worse about their chances of winning with Jake Mayer 
instead of Bo Levi Mitchell. Not really. I always pick the team that lost in game one in a back-to-back in game right. two. Um, I just think that like the other team makes adjustments. So like, I actually think it's harder for the riders. Like if we assume that a hampered Bo Levi Mitchell and, and a healthy Jake Mayer give you roughly the same chance of winning, which I don't think is wild to say a fully healthy bow is a different prospect. Like look, man, it, it adds a wrinkle for the stamps. I, I, I don't, I don't hate it. Um, but I think that what we're probably going to see from the riders is like, they've got to mess with this Stampeders defense. Like if you allow, like they've got to come out with a scheme early that just puts the stamps defense on its back foot messes them a little bit. So I don't think that who the Stamps have a quarterback is going to be as big a story as whether the Riders can do absolutely anything on offense. And Cody Fajardo has not done anything against the Stampeders in his three starts against them. Right. Sounds good. Okay. Well, uh, I'm uh, excited for that. And uh, it's going to be a fun week of CFL football. So I'm going to let you go. Get on your bike. Uh, I've got other things to do as well. And I just want to say thanks for anybody who stuck it out and listened this far. Uh, I know both of us appreciate that. So um, have a good week, Danny, and uh, have a fun trip to Regina. It's always a a good town for um, a road trip, right? Peace. Peace. (laughs) 